Good morning and welcome to podcast number 31 of Soaring Life Radio with Carolyn Dolan, your host, where physical therapy, nutrition, and lifestyle meet because how you live your life determines whether or not you soar, inspiring you with information and actionable steps so you can reduce pain, optimize healing, and improve function naturally at work, at home, in life, and especially during recovery from injury, surgery, or painful conditions. This is a podcast for the open-minded. Obstinate need not apply. All right, you guys, I'm going to be quick. I'm trying to squeeze in a podcast before we come across our fall break. So I'll have all my kiddos home. Um, Minus one who's going on a trip with dad for his birthday. At any rate, I recently got back from the international, uh, international 14th international conference in mechanical diagnosis and therapy. So I, as many of you guys know, I am a physical therapist um, by traditional training, and I am certified in the mechanical diagnosis and therapy from the McKinsey Institute. And I have to tell you as a physical therapist that my training in MDT really did revolutionize my clinical practice. Um, and so although I've taken a little bit of a turn into that this nutrition and lifestyle piece, I am also very interested in how that plays a role in mechanical pain and um, recovery from mechanical pain conditions. And so... Um, I'm not saying it is the only way as I know some of my listeners are also physical therapists, um, but it has been some very useful tool for me to making sure, um, particularly in when to refer a patient out, um, and when things make sense, mechanical sense, and when they don't make mechanical sense. Um, and so one of the most fascinating, Uh, presentations this past weekend was from Richard Rosedale, and he is a diplomat in the MDT technique um, from London Health Services Center in Ontario, Canada. I've spoken with him before directly um, related to his work within orthopedic the orthopedic surgery department there. And he has been collecting data and researching about the question uh, related to primary joint pain. Um, and how often is it actually derived from that joint as compared to being a referral from the spine, cervical spine or lumbar spine. And so as a practitioner or a physical therapist, I think his point, whether or not you're MDT trained or not, MDT is just a tool for screening spine that can be used. But what was fascinating about his data that he has collected so far, it is not yet, yet published, um, in any journal, unfortunately, because we've, he's kind of halfway through, but based on where he's at currently, when he presented his data for primary hip, knee, or foot and ankle pain, meaning by primary pain, meaning that that's generally where the pain is without complaints of back pain, for example, that even despite, um, and this is, they excluded, you know, like traumatic injuries, you know, fractures, you know, clear trauma, but um, presentations to their clinic with primary joint pain. Now their clinic, physical therapy clinic is the first stop prior to seeing an orthopedic surgeon, which is quite different from most places within the United States. But of those folks who had primary joint pain in the lower extremity, 50% ended up being derived from a lumbar spine issue. What does that mean? Even despite um, pathological findings on MRI, that their symptom production was a result of 
um, spinal um, classification for McKenzie is derangement but that they had a spinal component that would not have been found unless they were specifically guided to clear the lumbar spine and the same was found for upper extremity shoulder elbow wrist hand as a primary complaint of pain without neck neck pain but that about I think it was a slightly under 50% maybe like 49% or something like that but about 50% were derived from a cervical spine um, referral pattern even though that the pain presentation was not in a dermatomal um, pattern, nor were there signs of numbness and tingling or neurological deficits, um, all those things that most physical therapists would start to consider the spine. And especially what's, I think, maybe even more important here is that most of these folks with the primary joint pain complaints did not have complaints of spine pain, neck or low back. Um, so I think this is pretty fascinating and pretty important for all healthcare providers to really take home that, you know, what are we doing as care providers prior to someone going into surgery or determining that our therapies aren't working? What have we really done to clear the spine? I mean, it, even when you think it makes sense, like someone sprained their ankle. And so that's, you know, we're dealing with an ankle sprain and we have to work on strengthening and proprioception and range of motion and things like that. Even with a mild injury like that, you, know, you have to ask yourself, understanding the circumstances of that initial ankle sprain, was it a result because there was some mild weakness there that put them at risk that was resulting from kind of a referral weakness pattern in the spine. And so you have to make sure that particularly it's most common for the hip and the shoulder to be referring from the spine and maybe less so for the more peripheral joints but it's still important to screen and you always need to screen that and that's more and with many of the cases that he discussed up to this point Richard Rosedale was saying that if you did a quick range of motion of of the spine that there was no motion loss or pain but that alone was not enough to be a complete screen of the spine. You had to work towards end range, repeated end range movements, and with overpressure to determine whether or not it was a factor in that peripheral joint symptom. And that does, and I'm not saying that the screening process of, of MDT is the only way to do that. It just happens to be the one that I, I know and the one that he is a uh, diplomat um, in the MDT, and so that, that's what he used. But there does seem to be a very consistent message here that as rehab professionals, prior to referring out to, for further surgery, we really need to tune in to the spine. And if you don't, if you don't know, make sure you're working towards repeated movement testing, um, working towards end range before you leave the spine, particularly for things like shoulder, um, hip, but even anything in the upper extremity or lower extremity. I recently had a case of somebody who was um, repeatedly spraining their ankles, but without any initial injury. So yeah, there were some objective findings of weakness and pain and some swelling, but my question really was, why was this person spraining their ankle unless there was um, a specific injury, you know, where they were, they had a major um, ankle sprain one day, tripping on a rock or something like that, or playing basketball and came down on someone's foot. And then, then you get the repeated ankle sprain, but there wasn't any such injury. And so I asked myself, well, let's make sure 
that we screen the spine. And it turns out that the spinal component was actually a factor. And then as we were working towards things, she started to mention to me that there was pain in her spine that woke her at night. Um, but it didn't bother her during the day, but it would wake her at night. She changed positions, go back to sleep. And again, this is without any particular injury. So as we worked through this spinal clearing process, I did end up referring her out because I suspected that there's something funny going on um, in the spine and we need more imaging before we proceed forward. Now, granted, I could have just looked at her ankle and I, I wouldn't have blamed anyone for just looking at the ankle because it would have made sense. She didn't complain of back pain. Her range of motion was normal, you know, but until we really started moving her, repeatedly and into an end range and seeing how her response was one I noticed that her strength in her ankle did improve even without any um, treatment to the ankle which made me think that we're on the right track but then it exposed the fact that she's actually had some spinal issues for probably about a year and given her age and the circumstances a referral out was um, warranted in my opinion now I'm not saying that this that it wasn't both. I mean, she clearly will need therapy for her ankle. But I think what's important here is that we as clinicians think about the spine even more than we thought we needed to. And until you really rule out the spinal component, don't move forward to accepting um, the, the joint pain. And it may also explain, you know, with some of those um, recent studies that have come out about like uh, orthoscopic knee surgeries that are kind of having half, ha you know, not, not totally clear about whether or not they're even warranted or um, improving the long-term outcomes. And you have to ask yourself this question. Was this, was the spine really, was the spine cleared? You know, because if that was a component and it was never cleared and you did a knee surgery, well, then no wonder it's not really all better. Um, so, at any rate, that was my biggest take-home message, um, that we need to be sure as physical therapists that we really do an extremely good job of clearing the spine whenever anybody comes through your office with any peripheral joint pain. It may mean one extra visit, and it may be, it needs to be kind of the first thing that's done. And that even if someone has had surgery, that we still consider not only that surgical recovery protocol that's important, obviously, but that there might be, you know, in some of those shoulders where they're having trouble sleeping at night because their pain is still so bad, make sure you look at the neck, you know, along with the sling. Um, you know, is it a contributing factor? Is it primary or secondary? At any rate, um, that's all for today. Um, thank you for joining us on the Soaring Life Radio podcast, and I'll be sharing more next time.